Hello Nats fans, and welcome to a very special edition of the Dogcast. Site expert Drew Douglas had a chance to speak with Baseball Tonight host Carl Ravitch as he celebrates his 25th year with ESPN. Hi, this is Drew Douglas, and today I have the great pleasure of being joined by ESPN's Carl Ravitch. And uh, how are you doing today, sir? Very well, Drew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for coming on with us. My pleasure. All right, so um, to get things started, the Nationals have obviously won two consecutive NL East titles, and before the season started, all of the popular projection models had the Nets winning the division once again, some by as much as 10 games. But the Mets have gotten off to a hot start. How much How much of a fight do you think they can give the Nats for the division title? Well, I picked the Nationals to be in the World Series, and I picked the Mets to be a wild card winner. So to be true to the picks that I made, then I would suggest that they can be a thorn of the national side, uh, but a thorn that the Nats can make sure doesn't uh, do significant damage to them. I, I think the bigger question for the Mets is their health. And if they stay healthy, they clearly are a formidable opponent. But the age of that team and the history of their pitchers doesn't really let you believe that this is a 100% deal. They're going to stay healthy and be be this way the entire season. So I would suggest that the Nats are still the best team in that division, and the Mets, when healthy, can compete with them but I don't have the Mets being healthy for 162. Right, and yeah, we've seen um, uh, they got Michael Conforto back yesterday who uh, kind of helped them spoil the Nationals' home opener with that homer, and right now they're looking really good, but like you said, health has always been a problem for them. Yeah, they have. Conforto's a very good player. Cespedes' hamstrings are, are you know, iffy at best uh, to go through the course of the season. None of those five starters have been able to, with the exception of DeGrom, last. Uh, but look, they got a new manager there. I think the attitude's a little bit different there. I think they're a, kind of a looser group than they've been, which may serve them well. Uh, but that doesn't uh, make sh- that doesn't ensure that muscles don't uh, pull and that hamstrings don't tear and things like that. But yeah, I, I think that the Nationals are very aware of how good the Mets are, and everyone is aware of the Mets' ability to pitch and pitch in big games. The, you know, the scary part for New York is if my assumptions are correct, and they finish in a wild card position. That's a hell of a team to have to deal with in a one game wild card. And then whoever has the best record, they don't want to face them if those pitchers are pitching. You know, that's a huge X factor. And the Nationals, to some degree, are one of the few teams that can match it, especially up top. And I, and I think we got to remember, you know, a bumpy Strasburg start is one bumpy Strasburg start. It doesn't indicate this is how it's going to be for the season. So I don't put much stock in a start like that. Uh, for Steven, but I, I do think that the Nats have the ability to compete with them on the pitching level that not many other teams do, and that's why, given their offense and their youth, they're a better pick than the Mets. Right, and then one player that's gotten off to a great start for the Nationals is Bryce Harper, and yeah. um, obviously he's going to be a free agent at the end of this season if the Nationals don't extend him, but there was kind of a odd free agent market this past off season. So what kind of deal do you think Harper will get if he hits free agency, and where do you think he'll wind up? Well, I think he's going to get a ton of money. Um, you know, I do think that there's that there's a correction, but I don't think it really applies to him. Uh, I think he's, he's so young that the market correction we saw really involved veteran players, the 29- to 32-year-olds who are looking for four- or five-year deals. You're not going to get them. You will be able to get Harper in his prime years. So, um, you know, I figure he makes between, you know, 275 and 
$350 million if they could extend that deal to warrant it. You know, he's probably a 27 to $32 million a year guy, which most people is not palatable. But I think teams like the Phillies, uh, teams like the Dodgers, certainly teams like Washington, they either have a history with them or cleared money from their payroll. And, and given that the Yankees just landed Giancarlo Stanton, uh, I doesn't, to me, preclude them from being in a Harper discussion and making a trade so that they can free up some space for him. So there's going to be enough teams that are willing to pay the money to get Harper. And I do think this is a critical season for him to get that max amount of money that he's after. And he's off to a hell of a start in doing that. But other than the one tremendous, huge year he had, he hasn't been consistent enough to warrant that contract, even though Scott... You know, his representation will ask for it. So he's really got to have a very, very good year. And I think another reason the Nationals are a favorite to perhaps get to the World Series is I think everyone in Washington knows that this season very well could be the last season of Harper and their ability to consider themselves you know, a prime contender. And then just kind of in the past, obviously the Nationals have not made it past the first round of the playoffs. And Part of their struggles have kind of come back to poor bullpens, but to start the year, the Nationals have a pretty solid bullpen with the big three in the back of Brandon Kinsler, Ryan Madsen, and Sean Doolittle. And as the bullpen is currently assembled, do you think they're capable of carrying the Nationals on a deep postseason run? I do. I think, I mean, look, all you got to do is look around Major League Baseball the last couple of seasons to recognize that you need to have power arms. You need lots of them. Uh, for two reasons. Uh, that plays in the postseason. Uh, it used to be you raced to the bullpen as an offensive team uh, so that you could then beat up on these guys that come out of the bullpen. Now, getting into a team's bullpen is hardly a luxury. It's more of a challenge for the other team's offense. And Look, the Nationals aren't stupid. They learn. You do need a bona fide closer. They've been burned before in the postseason by guys that couldn't get it done. Uh, some with little experience, others that had a bunch of experience, and you know, do little may very well be the answer to their problems. But that is a huge, huge problem, like a hole in a resume. If you're going to hire somebody for a job, and it says no experience. Well, if you're going to hire the Nationals to get to the World Series, you'd have to put no experience in an LCS. They've never been to one, and that's a big that's a big problem for them. They've got to get past you know, a first round. Until they do, even if they win the division by 10 games, 2 games, or 20 games, that's always going to be the question. It's it's the pushback I got when I suggested the Nationals and the uh, Astros would play for a World Series. The pushback was always, the Nationals can't even get out of the first round. I, I get that part, but at some point, if the Cubs and Red Sox can end World Series routes that are 100 years old, uh, the Nationals can get past the first round of a playoff. And we've seen the Nationals' middle relievers, guys like Matt Grace and Eni Romero, who kind of aren't aren't very proven at the major leagues. They have a little bit of uh, experience, but not too much. Do you think maybe Mike Rizzo goes out and gets another reliever to deepen the bullpen at the deadline? It's possible, and I think there may be some available from teams that don't get into the playoffs. I mean, it's a it's one of those relatively inex- uh, inexpensive ways to bolster your September and October lineups as you go out and pick teams. Uh, where you're not necessarily dealing with uh, big money guys and either you assume contracts or you bring them into your into your bullpen with the idea that they are free agents and 
were willing to give them three years and $39 million. So that, that tends to be what a lot of teams do, but I think the Riz has got two more years there, and they are in it for the, the, certainly the short term, and in their, in their perfect world, I think they believe they're going to sign Harper back. Uh, they'll be in it for the long haul. Uh, they will do whatever they need. I think that's the the feeling about the Nationals this season, meaning if they need a starter, they're going to try to get a starter. They need a, a big bat. They need a leadoff guy. They need bullpen help. They need a closer. They are one of those teams, the Red Sox being another team, that find themselves sort of towards the end of what may be uh, their window, and they've had extended windows to be in a position like we got to do this now, uh, or it's not going to happen, and we may end up in a rebuild. So I, I don't doubt that Mike and the Nationals, whether it's the bullpen help you're talking about, or starting pitcher, or offensive help, uh, they will they will be the team at the top of the list that goes and pulls the move off before another team does. And as you mentioned, the Nationals just extended Mike Rizzo's contract for two more years. And now that you've been with ESPN for 25 years, how do you think he compares to the vet? Is he going to be there for 25 years? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope so. But <laughs> um, yeah, just How do you think he compares to all the GMs that you've covered in your time at ESPN? He, he, tends to, he tends to do really well when it comes to trades. He doesn't lose a lot of trades. He's respected in the industry. I think he's uh, considered to be fair when it comes to dealing with free agents. I think he's been given a fairly long leash when it comes to his budget, which makes any GM tend to look better than than those that don't have the big budgets. So I'm a, I'm a fan. I think he's aggressive. I think he's fairly honest and upfront with the media. And, look, you know, getting, getting past the first round to me isn't a Mike Rizzo thing. You know, it's more of a decision from the manager and or the players on the field not performing. You don't you don't win divisions and then not get past the first round because of your manager. That, that doesn't make sense. Or your general manager who put the team together. Uh, but sometimes there are decisions that are made or not made on the field. And more importantly, the pitchers and or hitters aren't doing what they've done all season long when it gets into the postseason. And maybe, maybe Dave Martinez can create... Uh, a feeling, a culture of confidence. He's been on World Series teams recently, and maybe that that will help. Um, but I think having Mike there, he, he puts them in a position to win, which is, again, if I'm a baseball fan and I'm living in Washington, I like the way that we're doing things because we go into spring training knowing we're one of the elite teams in Major League Baseball. There's, there's about seven cities that can say that and Washington has been one what seems like the last, you know, five to eight years. And finally, uh, one of the biggest storylines so far this year has been Shohei Otani's debut season, and Nationals fans also remember the highly anticipated debuts of Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper. And throughout your time at ESPN, uh, who has been the player that you were most excited to see in the rookie year and why? Well, I used to work out at the same gym that Steven Strasburg did when he played in the Quick Bat League in Torrington, Connecticut. So when he got to the big leagues, I was extremely excited about seeing what he would do. And I was there on opening night in Washington when he, I think he struck out with 13 guys the first night that he pitched in Washington. Yeah, it was 14 against the Pirates. 14, right. So we were there to witness that, and the building was electric. And, you know, for, for all the criticisms of Steven and not living up to what people expect, 
he certainly did at night, and I think in the end, in the long run, his numbers will bear out uh, that he is every bit as good as people think he is. He's a premier pitcher, and especially a premier right-handed uh, power pitcher guy. Uh, I, I would say that he would probably be near or top the list because of the personal reasons and because he delivered it. Otani's really cool, um, but I kind of believed, believe it or not, it goes back to like watching Little Leaguers. The Japanese teams that go to Williamsport are always the dominant team. Their pitchers never throw balls. They always strike guys out. They're mechanically and fundamentally so much more advanced than anyone else. Uh, to see Otani come over here and see what he was doing in the Japanese leagues, I, I didn't doubt that he would perform well. I don't think he's a 50 home run guy, which is not playing up. And I figure he's about a 12 win guy, which is what I would have expected. But when you get a guy like Strasburg and his electric stuff, uh, that that gets that got me more excited than, than most in recent recent times. Yeah, and that debut was just phenomenal. And he's kind of battled the injuries, but I think yeah. last year in the second half where he was just so dominant, and then he had the 14 scoreless innings in the postseason against the Cubs. I think that was really a uh, preview of what he's capable of doing if he's healthy. I think so, and I think if you look at Clayton Kershaw, his numbers in the postseason have been awful, and I would think that if you said, can, can you give me three pitchers you want to pitch, you know, a game one or a game seven, that Clayton Kershaw is on that list. And I think Strasburg will have a similar sort of reputation when it's all said and done, that that's the guy you want on the mound. And I think your point's well taken that in the second half of last season, and in the postseason, he did everything he was supposed to do to help the Nationals get past that first round. Everything. All right, well, um, I'm looking forward to watching baseball tonight on Sunday and hopefully a Nationals win over the Mets on Sunday Night Baseball. And thank you very much for coming on with me today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Drew. Keep up the good work, bud. We'd like to thank Carl for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing him in action on Baseball Tonight's Sunday Night Countdown. As always, remember to check out our stories on the website, districtondeck.com, Follow us on Twitter at District on Deck, like us on Facebook, and now also follow us on the Dogcast new home here on Blog Talk Radio. Tune in here on Sunday where we'll preview Sunday's game against the Mets and the Atlanta Braves' upcoming trip to Nats Park. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.